everybody, it is Sunday, October 4th, 2020, and you're listening to an episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I am your host, Brett Azlake, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever. On today's episode, we're actually going to have a three-segment show. We haven't done one of those in a while. We're going to talk about the uh, news reviews about the Toyota Corolla Apex uh, and car culture. It's kind of going to be a blend of news and culture. Uh, we're going to talk about small SUVs and the not quite a bombshell, but very interesting and strangely timed announcement uh, by Volkswagen that the Taos SUV is coming uh, later well, I guess it's not the end of this year, but sometime in 2021. And then lastly, in car culture, uh, reflecting on 20 years of Mini as a brand in the United States under BMW ownership. But before we get to all that, uh, hey, this is a podcast that I do sometimes when there's news to talk about. Uh, this week has been uh, real life news has really kind of taken uh, over my life. Uh, it, if you're not here in the United States, it has been a wild roller coaster of things that have been going on. Uh, so that took a lot of attention and energy away from me. Uh, at the same time, we're at a weird point when it comes to COVID and whether things are open or closed and whether or not things are happening at my job or not. And uh, yeah. I was physically and emotionally exhausted most of the week. So apologies that there wasn't uh, really anything going on, but also there just wasn't a whole lot of car news. So um, yeah, when we do these episodes, they're out. Uh, you can search along for these episodes for free pretty much on every podcasting platform, Stitcher, iTunes, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, it's all there. Just search salvage title and you'll come across it. Uh, if you want to keep up with me on a daily basis, because I do tweet an awful lot about cars, you can do so at twitter.com slash Y-S-S-M-A-N. Uh, car Twitter's a thing, and apparently I'm a part of it. So with all that in mind, guys, after the bump, we will talk about the Toyota Corolla Apex. So last up, I wanted to talk about Mini. Uh, we are right around the 20th anniversary of the Mini brand being relaunched by BMW. And uh, it's worth kind of thinking about where things have come from and where they're at now with this brand uh, as we head deeper into the 21st century. Uh, Mini had been part of the Rover group, if my memory serves correctly, and as they were uh, sliced and diced by many different brands, BMW ended up carving out Land Rover and Mini uh, in this acquisition. Uh, Range Rover, uh, the Range Rover was their first like kind of big effort to modernize these British brands, and they you know redid a bunch of different Land Rover things uh, to interesting levels of success. Uh, but they ended up bailing out after a short amount of time and handing it over to Ford and basically creating the duo of Jaguar Land Rover once again, uh, which is a whole separate story for another episode. But Mini has been the one thing that they've held on to and been relatively successful with. Uh, Mini, of course, you know, legendary design packaging uh, vehicle from the 50s into the 60s. Uh, it was a car that was oozing 
dripping with British character and design. And, you know, it's iconic the world over because of movies like The Italian Job. Uh, it is a fashion accessory that has been around for seemingly ever. Uh, it is a car that, you know, I, I think has stood the test of time because it is so different. And when Mini got relaunched in the early 2000s, uh, BMW really wanted to ride on a lot of that brand goodwill. Uh, they had said that they wanted to build a car that was uh, affordable, but still fun. And, you know, a car that largely was kind of aping off the success of the new Beetle from Volkswagen, which had launched in 2000. Uh, the PT Cruiser for uh, Chrysler right around that point in time. Uh, and, you know, a slew of other vehicles that ended up coming out in this kind of retro futuristic bubble in the early aughts. Uh, the Mini, you know, had a lot of design flair that took from the original car. It had the round headlights. It had the uh, kind of trapezoidal grille up front. Uh, it had a uh, tachometer and speedometer that were mounted in the center of the vehicle like the original one. And in the end, you know, it was a car that, you know, was still tons of fun in any trim configuration. Um, you know, it had go-kart-like handling. It had, a it had a stiff ride. You know, there were no bones about it that this car was, you know, the sporty choice in its segment. Uh, if my memory serves correctly, initial ones when they first came to the U.S. were right around like 15 grand. And 15 grand wasn't exactly cheap, but it wasn't exactly expensive either. You know, you could be just out of college with your first full-time job and easily afford one. And those are the buyers that BMW really wanted to go after. Um, they wanted to make Mini a part of the BMW architecture for you to, you know, first you buy a Mini and then maybe you get a Mini Cooper S and then you graduate up to, I guess they didn't have the vehicle at the time, that it would have been like, you know, the, the two series or the one series and the two series and the three series type thing. Um, and you know, it, it would keep you in that, in that brand grouping and to a weird extent, I think they were kind of successful with that first car. I remember uh, a lot of the ones that I saw when it first came out were, you know, a lot of younger people, um, which I don't think, I think when you kind of reflect on it, it seems weird that so many young people ended up buying them. Um, but I remember it was a lot of like cool middle-aged dudes, um, dudes who were just driving it because they were so much fun to drive on back roads. It's kind of the kind of guys that buy Fiat 500 Abarths today. Um, you know, it's, it's that buyer. It's the, it's the classy person who knows exactly what they want, gets it trimmed exactly as they want, gets the color, gets the everything. And then you had hairdressers <laughs> and, you know, it was, it was, it was your grandma's car and it was the cool uncle's car. It was, it was a weird mix of things. And that first gen Cooper, you know, I think is kind of remembered now as a bit of a mechanical nightmare. Um, if we're being generous, uh, well-maintained ones, I think, you know, are holding on pretty well, but like, it seems like most of the ones I see around here in Michigan these days are just clapped out. They're rusting to pieces or they're, you know, showroom spec things, you know, you get one or the other. And, uh, it's kind of sad because th those were very exciting cars, especially that first Cooper S with the supercharger. Uh, that was a fun little car that would have been just perfect on, you know, a sporty back road. Uh, I, I've never driven one. I haven't driven any of 
the current crop of minis. So I can't really speak to any of this, but uh, I definitely remember sitting in them and thinking, wow, this is, this is very neat. Uh, the second gen mini, uh, a little less successful uh, in terms of maintaining a brand identity and, you know, <laughs> delivering on mechanical reliability and relative affordability uh, for potential buyers. Uh, by the time the second generation rolled out, which I think was in the late aughts, uh, I you're going to have to forgive me because I am not a mini expert, but I believe this is the one that had the Peugeot-developed engines under the hood. Um, these cars, even worse when it came to mechanical reliability and dependability. Uh, the transmissions, I remember a friend on the GT Planet forums had one. His transmission went out, I think, after 80 or 100,000 miles, uh, and it ended up costing more than the value of the car just to replace the transmission uh, because... BMW parts, you know, it, it's one of those kind of crazy things. And, you know, he took a huge loss trading it in and getting, you know, a Toyota pickup truck and doing the smart thing and getting the car that's going to run forever. Uh, but I just, it's weird because I feel like Mini really erased a lot of the brand equity that they had built up with that first generation Cooper and Cooper S. And that's not to say that the cars were necessarily bad outright. I think they would have been a safe lease decision at that point in time. Um, but you know, they added the convertible, they added the, uh, four door or no, not the four door. I think they eventually added the clubman. I guess it was the four door. Um, and then we kind of get to where we're at today where there's, you know, everything, everyone has a mini option for them. And so, you know, mini today is not so many anymore. They are a big part of the BMW brand apparatus. They are a big part of BMW on the whole when it comes to, you know, being, I think, a testbed for technology. You know, the mini platform and engine and transmission is now under uh, some BMW models in Europe. Uh, and at the same time, you know, mini's benefiting from some of the things that BMW has been working on. So it's it's a weird mixed bag. And, you know, it's even more strange when you kind of think about this too, in terms of what other brand launched it, give or take the same time as Mini here in the United States. Uh, Mini was what, 2001 is a 2002 model, I think was when they first started hitting uh, the American market. Uh, we also had Scion launching, give or take, around that same point in time. And like I said, Mini wanted that young professional and they also like that gentleman driver type thing. You know, they wanted people who are really into the sportiness of the cars uh, versus Scion where they just went, hey, here's this blank canvas of a car and you can take this and you can do whatever you want to it. You want to make it a drag car? Go ahead. You want to make this a track machine? Go ahead. You want to make this something that you're going to fill with speakers and blow your eardrums out? Go ahead. We're Scion. We're here for young people to express themselves, uh, you know, however they see fit. And when you think about the ways that both brands were marketed at the time. You know, I think Mini was definitely much more concise and straightforward. Uh, they had a very specific look to all of their uh, paraphernalia that they gave out. They had a very specific look to all of their brochures. Uh, their advertisements online were very similar. You know, they, they really did a good idea of staying on the straight and narrow with their thing. Uh, versus Scion, who was all over the board uh, in terms of like, car shows, events, mixtapes, uh, keychains, uh, hats, uh, 
one set of advertisements on one channel for one particular buyer, one set of advertisements for another type of buyer online. And, you know, Scion, in the end, is no longer here. And Mini still is. And that is interesting to kind of think about, too, because in the end, they were kind of batting for the same kind of customer. And it ended up being a lot of really old people who bought Scions, not the young people. Uh, and, you know, it was the snooty young people who bought Mini and as such have driven them up in terms of a brand where they're no longer an approachable starter point for BMW anymore. And that's weird. It's weird to kind of think about that in 2020 now that I'm kind of reflecting on this as I talk. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, thinking of Mini and 20 years of models to kind of pluck out, uh, I just kind of wanted to highlight three that I think are still very cool. So uh, the third one I think is obviously the first gen uh, Mini Cooper S uh, with the supercharger. What a, just a fantastic masterstroke of engineering, design, uh, really everything. It is a car that captures my attention even today when I see one that's clean. Uh, it is a car that maybe I, you know what? I think I did drive one. It had an automatic. Uh, I, I borrowed a friend's car to go get lunch ages ago, uh, working at a retail store. And I just remember this car just having a feeling that you just didn't see in other cars at that point in time. You know, the tactile switches on the dashboard are magnificent even today. Uh, it was a car that just went and wouldn't stop and you could beat on it all day and you would learn a lot about your ability in terms of driving. Now, granted, you know, I drove across a big parking lot and down a road to go get cheeseburgers. So you weren't really getting that, but you know, the, the overall car I think is really one of the more successful retro modern things to have come out in the past 20 years. And many wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the success of that car uh, in many different ways. And we wouldn't have gotten a much better Civic Si and we wouldn't have gotten, you know, the Chevy Cobalt SS and we wouldn't have gotten, you know, hell, the anything really that we've got today because of how good that car was. And it's, it's a really key thing, uh, kind of remembering those things. Uh, but at the same time, where we have a purity and an excellence in design and engineering with that first-gen Mini Cooper S, uh, we also have the abstract and the weird. And the one that stands out in my mind there is the, uh, was it the 2016, I think was the first year, Mini Cooper Paceman. Now, the Paceman is a very limited run model. They didn't make very many. Uh, very, very few came to the United States. I think I've seen maybe five ever. Uh, this was uh, the this is the current generation Mini, if I remember correctly, uh, and it is a lifted, all-wheel drive, performance, two-door, compact crossover. Uh, this is a vehicle that is built for maybe seven people in the country uh, because precisely seven people bought them. Uh, it is a car that, you know, you could get with a six-speed manual, a turbocharged engine, all-wheel drive, and go bombing on back roads and just be an absolute man-mad and equip it with all the JCW stuff and be a bonkers idiot or just buy as like this off-the-shelf little, you know, somewhat sporty crossover thing. And it just happens to be a three-door instead of a, you know, five-door whatever. It is 
crazy to me that the pacemen ever existed in any way, shape, or form. I, I just, I can't believe uh, that that it ever happened. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to look one up right now. Uh, it, 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 it defies, Google it. I mean, it, it just defies, it defies explanation to some extent. I remember sitting in one and just going, you know, hey, this is pretty cool. I, I, I dig it. This is a different way to do a lot of different things. And it, it mm, mm, I don't, mm, it's just tough to really hammer down. Uh, sorry, as I, as I, as I, I pause a little bit trying to pull this up. I'm just trying to see what we've got that's anywhere close to me. And we've got one. Oh, it's a 2015 was the first model year. Wow. Okay. 2015 Mini Paceman Cooper S, all four. I don't think it has a stick. 15 grand used with only 60,000 miles on it. Uh, not exactly the prettiest color. It's gray, so not super exciting. But uh, yeah, not terrible. Oh, apparently these came out much earlier than what I thought. Huh, 2013. Oh, here's a bronze one. 95,000 miles available in Wisconsin. Cooper S, all four. 9,500 bucks. Not terrible, not bad, but when you also consider that this thing will probably tear itself to pieces mechanically at any given time, uh, not exactly the most exciting thing to buy, but just an insane vehicle uh, to consider that, A, that it even existed, and B, that they're actually so surprisingly cheap these days. Um, but my number one Mini, out of all the Minis in the past 20 years, uh, is actually the most current Mini, uh, which is kind of crazy. Uh, it's the Mini Cooper SE. Um, the Mini Cooper SE is a car that is in increasingly high demand here in the United States. Uh, I have yet to see one in person because they just simply do not exist yet. Uh, the press has been all over this car as being, uh, a return to greatness for the Mini brand, to being a distilled version of the Mini energy that we have been lacking for the past few years. And, uh, I'm excited to take one for a drive at some point in the future. Uh, the Mini SE is, of course, the electric Mini. Um, it is based on the current chassis, so it is unfortunately not a purpose-built electric vehicle, but taking the bones of the current car, taking the uh, motor and battery from the BMW i3 and plopping it in there, uh, they have created something that is, one, incredibly fun to drive, two, will be incredibly reliable compared to most other minis. And three is shockingly affordable. Uh, the car starts at just under $30,000 and with federal tax incentives and your local incentives and other things, you can get this for well under $20,000. And it seems like a no brainer when it comes to uh, EV purchasing these days, you know. The Fiat 500e is on its way out. We don't know if we're getting the new version from Europe or not. My guess is probably not, which is kind of disappointing. Uh, the Honda uh, E is not coming to the United States, which is a war crime to some extent. Uh, the Bolt is a very good car, but it's not exactly what I would call fun. The Teslas can shove it as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the Cooper SE is just... It's the bee's knees. I, 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 I don't really know how many more superlatives I can throw at this thing. It is just perfect. 
in every way, shape, or form. It is the mini that minis should be in... Yeah, I don't know. It's just very exciting. And I, I, I genuinely believe that it is the best mini. Like, I, I don't know if any other ones... I mean, you can you can throw a GP model up there because it's an incredible track car and it's got this, you know, legendary performance history. You could throw up any of the JCW cars and say, wow, look at how great these are. But, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it just doesn't. Like, the 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 SE to me is just what mini should be. It's, it's small, it's relatively affordable. Obviously it's fuel efficient because it doesn't burn any fuel. Um, you know, it's got character, it's fun, it's stylish. Like it's just, ah, there it is. It's there. Like if you, if you can imagine seeing one in person and just kind of doing that, ah, hand motion, that's it. The SE the best mini of the past 20 years. And hopefully I think points an interesting way forward for the brand uh, as things continue to develop when it comes to electric cars. Because honestly, I do like the Clubman quite a bit. Uh, and whatever the all four version of the Clubman is, which I'm totally completely forgetting its name, but that, I'm thinking of that. If that car had a dual motor setup with a pretty decent battery underneath, now granted this would probably require Mini to do a next-gen platform designed for electrification, but that I think would be a pretty cool competitor to the uh, to the Volkswagen ID4. You know, it would pose an interesting threat to something like the uh, Tesla Model Y to some extent. And again, it's because Mini's fun, and they just you know they sell on that character and going into that and making them much more reliable with that electric powertrain uh, just really seems to be the knockout best way to do it. But uh, if you've got any feedback about Mini, any memories that you'd like to share, you can do so uh, for this podcast on Anchor. It's anchor.fm slash salvage title, and you can leave a voice message on there if you so prefer. So anyway, guys, after the bump, we'll wrap things up and uh, call it a show. Well, apologies for that mini rambling. Uh, it's a brand, and there's feelings about it. But anyway, guys, uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. If you want to follow along with me, Brad Eisenlike, on Twitter, I'm at twitter.com slash YSSMAN. And you can follow along with episodes of the show at anchor.fm slash salvage title. Uh, a parting automobile thought. Uh, just kind of a general observation of things. Uh as you know, I bought a Volt recently in July. Uh, we were dealing with very high temperatures, which affected the car's performance and battery range in interesting ways. And then we had a kind of a brief period where it was like temperate, uh, very, you know, in the 60s-ish. And the car was doing great. Like I could go well beyond the indicated range of the car. I never really had to run the AC or the heat. It was great. And now we're into the chilly weather. And it's been interesting to see how the car's performing uh, as temperatures continue to drop. Uh, the car loses range precipitously first thing in the morning, uh, just, you know, cold starting it in the driveway. Uh, I'm blown away by how much range is lost uh, before the battery heats up. Uh, so this is kind of leading me down again that road of bothering my uh, apartment complex about finding me a 120-volt outlet. Uh, I have messaged them within the past couple of weeks. I have not heard back from them. Uh, so we're going to eventually be moving on to the phone call phase. I'm not desperate 
uh, you know, most days right now, it's not too bad first thing in the morning, but it's, it's noticeable. Like I'll lose five to seven miles of range within like two or three miles, uh, just because I'm running, uh, the window defroster on the back or, uh, you know, the cabin heater is kicking on and going to town. So it's, it's going to be a thing that needs to get sorted out. Uh, in other news, as we kind of step up and wrap up in this last little bit, uh, the car, you know, otherwise is, you know, perfectly great. Uh, I think in the past month, I think I averaged just over a hundred miles per gallon. I think it was like 104 miles per gallon total. Uh, this month so far, we're down into the, uh, I think it was the 50s or the 60s. Uh, I had to take a couple of drives that went a little bit longer and ran the gas motor quite a bit, uh, which is disappointing, but you know, it happens. We still got a long time left in October to fix that number, but uh, yeah, I'll keep you posted if any weird things go on. Uh, snow has been a threat as well, and I'm curious to know how this thing drives in the, in the slushy stuff. So uh, yeah, we'll keep you posted. But anyway, guys, uh, I hope you have a great start to your week. And we will see you on the next episode of the Salvage Title Podcast.